welcome to mini episode 95 of Real Life Ghost Stories. To kick things off this week, we need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. I would like to thank Jill Carrigan, Christelle Browning, Jess Two Boys, Stephanie McCauley, Nicola and Reese, Caroline Robinson, Ruby Moon, Ellie Fogelman, Karen S, Alexa Denson, Megan, Christina Marie, Chelsea Freel, Rachel Schneider, Cameron Williams, Jesse Guercio, Louise McBride, Matt Osborne, Rebecca Appleby, Dale Williamson, and Kristen Gunn. Thank you so much for subscribing to the Patreon. It is so appreciated and I am thankful for you every single day. And just to update people, I believe that that is Patreon up to date up to the 9th of November. So that's today is the 9th of November when I'm recording this. So if you hear this and you signed up to Patreon on or before the 9th of November and you think, hang on a second, I haven't heard my name, then please drop me an email or send me a message on Patreon and let me know. And I have two spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from the 1st of December 2020 and story number one comes from Sophie. When I was 15, my friend and I were having a sleepover at another friend's house. Technically, this might be her story to tell, but tough shit, I'm doing it. It got to about midnight when one of us thought it was a great idea to talk to some spirits via a Ouija board. So we put on our DIY hats and made one from the inside of a cereal box. We didn't have a shot glass to use as a planchette, so instead we had a pint glass. I had a piece of paper and a pen to write down all the letters the pint glass moved over so we could work out what the messages were. One of my friends was a little bit more experienced than the rest of us, so we listened to her instructions. She advised that we needed to protect ourselves in a ring of salt. However, the friend whose house we were in reminded us that we were in the living room and her mum would kill us if she knew what we were doing let alone ruin the floor and waste salt. So instead, we placed a large skipping rope around ourselves for protection. My friend found some words we were supposed to say on Google to open the board up to spirits. She also quickly advised that if the planchette started to count backwards, then it's evil and we should stop immediately. So we got going, with only a couple of candles for light that we had in our circle. We asked if anyone was there with us, and if so, to please tell us their name. It started to move really slowly, like fucking painfully slow. So I was thinking it was my experienced friend pranking us. The glass moved to yes, and then proceeded to move to some letters, this time with a little bit more pace. It spelled the name Ruth. We said, hello Ruth, and asked her where she was from. And she moved the glass again and said, here. May I just add that I was still not believing that we were actually contacting anyone. I felt like we were being pranked. But I couldn't shake this sudden chill that surrounded me. I was frozen with proper goosebumps. None of the others were cold. They were normal. And for all of you sceptics, there is no AC system, as they don't come as standard in North London homes and we were not doing this near any windows. We next asked Ruth how old she was, and she said six. Next, we asked how she died, and she spelt out hurt. We asked how she got hurt, 
and she spelt out daddy. My friend sitting opposite me kept looking behind me, so I promptly tell her to stop doing that shit, but she turned super pale and said that she kept seeing something move behind me. It was very possible that this could have been the shadows from the candle, but my back was up against a couch, so I know there was nowhere for someone to be unless they were on the couch itself. I was starting to get a little creeped out, because I knew she wouldn't lie to me. My friend then asked Ruth where she was sitting. The glass moved beside me. Internally, I was screaming. Externally, I was cool as a cucumber. Suddenly, the pint glass started to forcefully circle the corners of the makeshift board over and over. I can tell from the others' faces that they're absolutely terrified and none of us really knew what to do next. Then it started to count backwards. So we immediately all took our fingers off the glass and said the goodbye words my friend found on Google. We were all in shock about this creepy experience. I've seen enough programs to know that sometimes demonic entities pose as little girls, so when they all suggested we perhaps try again in a little while, I quickly told them that we should stop messing around with this, that it was a mistake. So we decided to try and get some sleep, because obviously we'd be able to now. We made up our beds on the couches and somehow all passed out. In the morning when we woke up, we talked about the night before, and I boldly told them all that I didn't believe we made contact with anyone. This was a lie at this point, but I suppose I was trying to convince myself otherwise. All of a sudden, a weeping angel figurine from Doctor Who, which was placed on the mantelpiece, flew off and landed in the middle of the room. It didn't fall. It flew. And it shut me up so we all decided not to talk about it anymore. A month or so later, I went around to my friend's house again for another sleepover. We were in her room, just chilling out, and in mid-conversation, when all of a sudden we heard a massive thud coming from her cupboard in the corner of the room. It literally sounded like someone threw themselves at the door, which was impossible, seeing as the cupboard was all shelves and filled the brim of shit so there was absolutely no space for anyone to fit in. Needless to say, I nearly shit my pants, but me being the brave one took it upon myself to investigate. I opened the cupboard door and checked that no shelf had fallen or collapsed, when something caught my attention in the middle of all the stuff. The Ouija board. She had kept it. My heart started to race, and this sudden sense of dread came over me. I asked her why she had kept it, and she said she didn't know the proper way to get rid of it. I told her to fucking burn the thing. She assured me she would, and we went on with our night. When it came to the time to sleep, we slept downstairs again. It was a restless sleep and I couldn't help but keep waking up every hour or so and when I did, I could hear footsteps clear as day above me. Nobody else was in the house but us two, but they were unmistakable, pacing back and forth in the bedroom. I closed my eyes and pulled the duvet over my head. I am not religious but I was fucking praying that the footsteps wouldn't come down the stairs as I was not prepared to see what the fuck we brought forward but I managed to fall back asleep. I slept over there a few more times and didn't hear anything else. My friend had burned the board. But I could never relax anymore. I was always on edge. First of all I did not see that episode of Blue Peter the one where they were like, 
Today, kids, we're going to learn how to make your own Ouija board out of a cereal box and a pint glass. It's amazing, though, how resourceful (laughs) young people are when they want to do something. And it's, uh, it's also amazing how much you can learn on Google when you really need to. And here's the thing, right? I'm not really a massive believer in Ouija boards, as in, like, I understand that it was created as just a parlor game, a date night game, all all that stuff. We know all that, right? But I would never in a million years do one. And I think even as a teenager, I probably still wouldn't have because I would have just been like, oh no, I'm not taking the risk about what we're inviting in here. It sounds petrifying. It sounds awful. I just, I just hate the idea that you have, you know, if you were playing the Ouija board, that you have made this decision that has caused whatever this thing is to be in your household. If your house is haunted by proxy, it's not really your fault, right? But if it's haunted because you played with a Ouija board, who have you got to blame? Blue Peter or Art Attack for telling you how to make a Ouija board from nothing. And story number two comes from Julianne. My parents divorced when I was young and my mother remarried when I was six and my sister was two. Soon after they married, we moved to a house that was built in the 1960s. I call this the Hood Road House. The house was on almost two acres of land, but most of that land was woods that I was not allowed to go into as a child. The front of the house was off a major road. The house was built into a hill, so you could access the upstairs and downstairs both from the ground level. As soon as we moved in, strange things began to happen. But I, for a while, blamed it on the age of the house. It felt so old as a young child in the 90s. The experiences I had there started out mild. The floors would creak at night when everyone was sleeping. The vents would sometimes cause doors to close at night. Things like that. I've never slept well, so I heard things frequently at night time. Eventually, the windows in my sister's room and my room started unlocking themselves. My stepdad would yell at us whenever he found one unlocked, but we never touched the windows. Our beds were directly under the windows, so I would make sure the windows stayed locked at night just to make sure no one could break in and find us right there sleeping. But almost every morning, the windows would be again unlocked. I thought maybe the latches were just old and slipped easily. Then the footsteps began appearing outside of our windows. We could only see the footsteps when the ground was soft, mainly after it had rained. But when my sister and I would go outside to play, we would find large, man-sized footprints outside of both of our bedroom windows. There was never a trail of prints to or from the windows, only footprints directly outside the windows. At that point... The unlocking windows began to frighten me more since it appeared that someone had been watching us sleeping. We did not have blinds, and my stepdad would not let us cover our windows. Whenever we tried to show him the footprints, he'd yell at us for being silly children and yell more for the windows being unlocked. We gave up trying to talk to our parents about any of it, and we started sleeping in the same bed to comfort each other. Our parents did eventually believe us, though, when the same thing happened to them. My parents' room had a sliding glass patio door that led to our backyard towards the woods. They also didn't have blinds or curtains. One morning, they woke up to find footprints in the snow right outside of their patio door. 
The footprints led away from the door for about 20 feet before abruptly stopping. There was untouched snow all around, so I can't figure out how someone literally just vanished to stop leaving a trail. And that was the last time we ever saw the footprints. The sounds at night only increased the longer we lived in the house, and we lived there until I was around 12 or 13 years old. My stepdad worked multiple jobs, so he was gone frequently, including nights. We slept with the doors cracked. I can't remember why, especially with how much that ended up scaring me. There was one night I heard shuffling in the kitchen down the hall from my room. This was pretty normal and I tried to ignore it. My stepdad was working and I knew my mom was sleeping since her room was right across the hall from mine and she also kept her door open at night. As the sounds of movement stopped, I started smelling coffee. I thought that was weird since it was the middle of the night. I went to look in the kitchen and several drawers and cabinets were open. There was also a lot of coffee brewing. I knew no one in the house was making coffee and I didn't want to get somehow blamed for the mess in the morning, so I turned off the machine and cleaned everything up before returning to bed. The coffee maker didn't have a timer. Someone had to manually put coffee in the machine and started for it to brew. I hated the stairs in that house. I always felt like I wasn't alone there, and there were several times when it truly felt like someone shoved me from behind as I walked down the stairs. I always made sure to grip the rail tightly just in case, but there was one time I did actually fall down the stairs. I wasn't hurt, but I was shaken. I knew my foot didn't slip to cause the fall. A few months before this began, I started having recurring nightmares set at the stairs. During the nightmare, I was pushed from the top of the stairs and would tumble and roll to the bottom right in front of the pitch black basement storage room. As I turned back towards the stairs, there was a creature crawling towards me from the ceiling. The creature was humanoid, but would walk on all fours upside down on the ceiling. The legs and arms bent unnaturally in ways bones shouldn't bend. The eyes were pitch black. The mouth was large with sharp teeth, and the head was attached to the body upside down. If I were a better artist, I would draw a sketch of it. The creature would get to the bottom of the stairs and right as it would lunge at me I would wake up. I still have that nightmare every once in a while and most of my nightmares are set in that house. I'm a lucid dreamer. I always know when I'm dreaming versus what is reality and normally I can take over the dream and do whatever I want. These reoccurring nightmares though are the only dreams that I still recognise as dreams but for some reason I can't change or control anything. My sister and I recently started telling each other exactly what we experienced in that house. I learned that she had identical nightmares the entire time we lived there. What scares me the most about this is that both of us saw the horrendous creature with the exact same description even though we never spoke about it to anyone for 20 years. It makes me wonder if it was more than just a nightmare. The whole house just had a dark vibe to me. I never really felt comfortable there, and I refused to stay home alone even when I was at an age that I could. Footsteps in the hallway at night, kitchen cabinets opening and closing, and don't even get me started on the basement. We eventually moved out of that house, and we moved into the Crimson Oak House 
where we actually lived two separate times during my childhood. The first time we lived there, most things were fine. There was no creepy basement and the house was bright and sunny for the most part. The only creepy thing that happened the first time we lived there was that we would occasionally hear noises from the bonus room upstairs. The bonus room was directly above the living room and we rarely went in there. There was a treadmill and a small TV, but that was pretty much it. There wasn't anything that should be making noise, but for the most part we just blamed it on the house settling. One night my parents went out and left my sister and I with a babysitter since they would be out late. All three of us heard footsteps above us in the bonus room, but there was nothing there when we finally got the courage to go in and look. The sitter asked whatever it was to leave, and then we all went to pray, and we didn't hear anything else. The second time we lived in that house, my parents decided the bonus room could be my bedroom since it was larger. This is when the most terrifying things I've ever been through started. My room was always cold. As a high schooler, I loved that since I was much more comfortable in the cold. For reference, my ideal temperature for sleep is 62 degrees. My mom kept the house at 74 degrees, but my room would never get above 65. My sister recently told me it weirded her out how cold my room stayed. My room shared a wall with my parents' room. My bed sat against the back wall and the door was at the front wall beside the shared wall. Things started with just the feeling of being watched. I thought maybe that was because I wasn't used to having such a big open room, but the feeling never went away. It could be broad daylight and I still felt like something was in there with me. I soon began experiencing sleep paralysis. At least that's what Google said it was. I was lying in bed falling asleep when I saw a black hole-like darkness appear and grow in the far right corner of my room. It had more depth than a shadow and would grow until it filled the whole corner of the room. I never saw anything come out of the darkness, but suddenly there were multiple things surrounding my bed. I was paralysed lying on my back and I couldn't make a sound. The light in my room had a wide reflective metal band around the light. It's in that wide band that I could look up and see the shapes around me. There was the feeling of just pure terror and a deep feeling that they wanted to hurt me. They would then lean over me as I lay there paralysed. There were normally three of these creatures that I could see. They had crooked horns and black eyes. Those are the only features I could remember. I remember though that the biggest feeling of dread came from above my head, though I could never see anything there as the head of my bed sat against the wall. I tried to scream but I couldn't make any noise, I couldn't move. Then as soon as it began I blinked and they all disappeared. Yes, I did say blinked instead of woke up because while these episodes sound similar to the definition of sleep paralysis, they typically happened when I was not sleeping. As soon as the creatures were gone, I could move normally again, though an oppressive feeling lingered. I grew up Baptist and I started quoting scripture and praying until I could eventually fall asleep. These episodes became nightly events, always at 2.03am. Always the same. Black foggy cloud appears, creatures appear and terrify me a bit and then everything vanishes. I started sleeping with the light on in my junior year of high school because I didn't want anything else to make a shadow. But even with the lights on, the black spot would appear. I slept with my Bible and would read scripture to try and guard myself against whatever evil this was that would visit at night. Over time, the events got worse. 
things would be thrown across my room. I still tried to blame sleep paralysis, except the items could be found the next morning across the room on the floor where they'd been thrown. My makeup would fly clear across the room. Tissue boxes, books and so many random things would get launched while the creatures were there. Then the creatures started hurting me. While I was paralysed, I would feel my arms and back burning. I would wake up in the morning to find raised welts and bleeding scratches on my back and arms. I tried showing my mom once, but she said I must have scratched it in my sleep. But the wounds would be places I couldn't reach or that didn't make sense for me to be able to do myself. I don't understand how my parents never heard things thrown around my room. Again, we shared a wall. I slept with the lights on and had these episodes every single night until I moved out to go to college. It feels odd saying this since so many bizarre things have happened to me, but I am a sceptic about anything paranormal, and I try to find reasonable explanations when I can. I had an EMF detector, and I decided to try and see if electromagnetic frequencies could at least partially explain the fear I had in that room. The EMF detector went off in a couple of spots that I would expect, by the shared wall near where the Wi-Fi router was plugged in, and the spot on the shared wall near where my parents' TV was. I found no electrical signals near my bed, and there weren't even electrical outlets on that side of the room. One night, as it got closer to bedtime, I began feeling that crushing dark feeling that something was with me. I got out my EMF detector and it was completely going crazy. There was a huge signal right there at the head of my bed where I always felt that dark presence, and the signal kept moving. I chased it all the way around the head of my bed, back and forth several times until it just suddenly vanished. The EMF detector went quiet. The oppressive feeling went away. And things seemed back to normal. It was at that point that I decided ignorance was bliss. I never used the EMF detector in my room again. My sister and I recently started talking to each other about the things we experienced growing up. We never told each other when we were younger, since we didn't want to scare one another. She told me the oddest thing she remembered was waking up twice in the middle of the night to hear and smell coffee brewing. Both times, she had also found coffee randomly brewing in the kitchen, and she cleaned everything so we couldn't be blamed. I never knew the coffee thing happened more than the once that I saw. She also told me how she was terrified of my room the second time we lived in the Crimson Oak house. I knew she didn't often come into my room while we lived there, but I never knew it was because she felt such a terrifying, oppressive presence there. She said things got worse after I moved out, and she said she hated being home alone there. Several times she felt such a dark energy around her that she felt the need to verbally tell whatever it was to leave her alone. I've tried just casually mentioning it to my mom how many weird things happened in the Crimson Oak House. Every time I bring it up, she turns ghost white and refuses to speak further. I've no idea what she saw there, but I feel like something pretty scary happened to her there as well. Strange things happened at my dad's house too, but these experiences felt different. At dad's house, my room was right at the top of the stairs. Every night, we would all hear footsteps on the stairs. It didn't seem like just the house settling since the steps always followed a very specific pattern. 
There were 15 steps in the house and there was a pause at the top. Then the steps would proceed past my door and down the hallway. The footsteps became so normal that they stopped bothering me. Random things would go missing only to be found in the most obvious places possible as soon as someone announced that they needed the item back. There was only one time that things got truly frightening. There was a heavy metal door with a deadbolt between the basement and the living areas of the house. That lock stays locked at all times and they have an alarm system. The basement was never dark or scary, it was actually my playroom and today it's a guest room. One night my dad had to work overnight unexpectedly. He's a firefighter and sometimes gets called in to cover needed shifts. This left my stepmom, my little brother and I alone for the night. We went to bed as usual and things seemed normal. But instead of the normal light footsteps on the stairs, I heard a loud stomping that sounded like it was coming from the basement stairs. Then the heavy basement door flew open and I could hear it hit the wall. It was opened with such force. I ran into my stepmom's room and she was up hearing it all as well. The alarm was set but did not go off. We heard what sounded like just complete destruction on the main floor of the house. Things flying, feet stomping around, doors slamming. My stepmom worked up the courage to step out of the room and look over the banister of the stairs. Everything was dark, so she couldn't see anything. She yelled that whoever it was needed to leave because she was calling the police. The noises instantly stopped. As in, no one retreated, there were no footsteps leaving. Things just suddenly went completely silent. We locked the bedroom door and we all slept in my parents' room that night. In the morning, we got up to find the living room filled with things that had been thrown around and the basement door was open. All the exterior doors were still locked from the inside and the alarm never went off. My stepmom told me that when she was in college, she and a few friends played with a Ouija board. Don't worry, she thoroughly warned me against ever touching one. She told me that it was fun for a while and then they made contact with a spirit named Jim. He gave them lots of details from his life and apparently he seemed like a totally normal person. She said she never knew any rules for using the board and they never closed out the sessions officially. They'd talk to Jim regularly. Eventually Jim started scaring them, telling them things that they had never shared with anyone else. There were some things that she didn't want to talk about. As they became more scared, they tried to get rid of the board. First, they threw it out in a dumpster outside of their dorm. It reappeared in her dorm room the next day. Jim was furious the next time they talked. He became threatening, saying that he would kill them if they ever tried to get rid of him. He said that he would follow them forever. Eventually, they burned the board, but they each had scary things happen to them after that. I'm not sure if her Ouija board experience had anything to do with the activity in the house, but it does make me wonder. The most recent experience I have evidence of happening happened during a tour in Savannah, Georgia. We were actually on a ghost tour, and one of the stops was at the home of the founder of the Girl Scouts. We were with friends, and we had been laughing and joking around about the places we had been to so far. None of it was scary, but it was cool to hear about the history of these places. During the tour guide's introduction, I suddenly felt very cold, even though there was no AC and it was almost 100 degrees outside. I never felt anything scary or negative, so I just brushed it off. 
I took the photo while the tour guide was talking about the house and about Juliet's father, who had been a Confederate captain during the Civil War. It's not a very clear and detailed photo since it was taken with just my phone camera, but that man in the bottom right-hand corner wasn't actually there. I didn't see this until I reviewed the photos on our way to the next stop. On the right-hand side of his chest, it kind of looks like stars, like military awards. But that may just be me reading too much into it. And as always, if there's a mention of a photograph, the photograph will be on the Facebook page, it'll be on Instagram, and it will be posted on Patreon. So look, here's the thing, right? When I was reading this story, I was more alarmed by elements of it being not paranormal than being paranormal. So, for example, in the beginning, when Julianne talks about talks about the footsteps outside the bedroom window and the bedroom windows being open and the footprints appearing in the snow and whatever, right? Terrified me because I was thinking, but what if that, what if that isn't paranormal? Like, what if that was an actual human being, a grown man standing outside the window? And I'm not really a uh, alarmist when it comes to when it comes to stories like that but there have been genuine cases where children have just been abducted out of their bedrooms which is insane and the also the other part of that that freaked me out was the brewing coffee like was somebody letting themselves into your house and brewing coffee oh i think that's sometimes sometimes that's way worse than the paranormal elements of stories is the possibility that could have been a real person who was doing this a real like stranger coming into your house or I know that your your stepmom had had that experience with the Ouija board and the spirit called Jim and I understand that but um what if it was a real person that was wrecking your house I'm that's probably I'm not helping this situation by saying that I recognize that that I'm making things a thousand times worse uh maybe let's hope it was paranormal let's hope it was just a, a scary entity is that also making it worse I don't really know I really don't know. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Sophie and Julianne for sending in your stories. And just a reminder that the last story was from the 1st of December. If you would like to send in your spooky story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out everything that you need to know about me and the podcast on our website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, we shall see you next time.